What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And the right guy is going to love every ounce of you. Mm-hmm. He absolutely will. It's, it's absurd. My husband loves that I'm educated. He loves that I'm opinionated. He, he's more attracted to me. That wasn't threatening to him. If a guy's threatened by that, he's not your guy, period. Boom. Yay, weed him out. Good. We don't yes, have time exactly. to Yes, exactly. Right? Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to another episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. I'm a therapist for speech and language. (laughs) And I'm Emily. (laughs) And I desperately need therapy. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. I think we all could use therapy. Uh, yes, Yes. Honestly, yes, for sure. Especially after watching so many seasons of the freaking Bachelor which is what I want to get into for our story time this week. Like, let me let me tell you, these men need therapy. I swear to God. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen the list of men that's going to be on Katie's season of The Bachelor? So, no. Where okay. where can I find this? Okay, so I went on Bachelorette ABC's Instagram, and it shows okay. like the men that's supposed to be on Katie's season this year. And I don't know, like. First off, I don't know who the fucking graphic design intern is over there at ABC and like who came up with this like design. It's horrid. It looks like they're trying to like rip off Tinder, like with the fun facts. But the thing is, I, I get the idea. I get the idea of inserting fun facts for every guy, but it's not, they're not fun, nor are they really facts. <laughs> like literally one dude, Kyle, just hates mustard and mayo. Like, bro, honestly, same though. Like, <laughs> but also what? Landon is a proud and loyal believer. Oh, 25 no. year old man, a 25 year old man. Um, You should have mm-hmm. kept that one inside my dude. You shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked. His nickname is Sunshine. <laughs> oh, gosh. He's going to be one of those. But he does really like Christmas lights. He's going to be like um, John Paul Jones. That's what I predict. He's going to give me vibes of John Paul Jones. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Especially with the long, swoopy hair. Yes. Marty prefers to watch movies indoors. Um, doesn't everybody? I mean, <laughs> it's more rare to watch honestly, movies. Honestly, no, does anybody really prefer, like, the outdoor no. cinema things? <laughs> outdoor screenings, like your, like, flies and bugs and, and heat. The picture quality is usually not good because it's a projector, like, instead Everyone's of, running around, like... like Michael is over here. This is the most disturbing one. I'm sorry. Michael, I don't know if he has kids or what, but literally his fun fact is it makes a mean plate of dino nuggies. Not dino nuggets, dino nuggies. And I'm just like, sir, you're 37 years old. He has to have a child. He has to. I definitely has a child. I pray he has a child. For Katie's sanity, I pray he has a child because that's just disturbing on so many levels. Nuggies. 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 Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Um, where's one dude that said he was like, Bro, he, wait a minute. Hold on. What? Time out. Mike doesn't like dessert. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's something he occasionally wrong with describes him. himself as basic. Ew. Okay. Ew, I don't like him. Ew. Ew. Mm-mm. Ew. That, oh, that gives me like chewy vibes. Have you heard of this word too? 
Yes. Oh my just, god, just, I I hate it. I but like people, but like people that I like and I follow are starting to use it, and I'm like, please stop. Like, like I you get, don't have to follow every Gen Z trend. You don't. You really don't. Someone said millennials are saying the word, but I'm just like, no, because one, I I understand the term. Like that's why we have basic and things like that. Like basic, it's like there was like chuggies. Like you know, you can still wear it. You're just you know a chug or whatever. And I'm just like the word literally makes me want to. Like gag, like I just it well, cringes. It kind of sounds like some sort of like bodily function or something. Like, it's, like just, it's not, it's not great. Like I don't like it. I'm sorry. I know I'm a millennial, and I'm probably one of the millennials trashing this, and like your Gen Z listeners are going to complain about it or whatever. I don't give a fuck. Like I don't like the word. And I'm gonna, I'm a millennial, and I and I honestly do really like a lot of what Gen Z does, but the language that they choose to use, I just can't. Well, I can't get behind it. Lot, I don't know what they're talking about. Well, okay, literally, this have is no a idea. whole side topic I could get into one day and I've talked about it um, I actually talked about it last night with some of my um of my grad school friends a lot of it they're using is um natural african-american vernacular um so like what a lot of um people in like the black community like how they they start these certain words and then gen z people try to claim it as their own like using stuff like on period um like, you know, just different things I've heard. I, can't right, think of anything. Right. I literally can't think of anything off the top of my head right now for some reason. But stuff like that, like starting, you know, like saying like, yes, queen and like on period, things like that were started in the black community. And then like just these teeny bopper white girls in Gen Z said that they took over it. Um, and it's just like. Oh, that makes me not like it even anymore. I know. Like, that makes right? me not like it that much more. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, you obviously are like trying so hard to be something. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. It just it just stay stay in your lane. Like <laughs> basic I feel like suits everyone's like it suits everybody. Let's just stick to that. Like let's, let's just stick just, to that. Can we yeah, let's just be as like minimal and low maintenance as possible. Speaking of going back to the <laughs> to the bachelorette. This guy's name is Courtney, but the first time that I looked at it, I thought it said Quarantini. <laughs> so obviously I am struggling Still, I'm having PTSD from COVID. Um, <laughs> Why does every man have a huge ass forehead? I don't but like Brendan. True though, Brendan has a huge ass forehead. I'm sorry, Brendan, but like he also, also does not like vegetables. So I am judging, sir. You are 26 year old, and you don't like vegetables. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your liver, your kidneys, your entire intestinal system. Like I'm just sorry for them because I'm sure your butthole hates you. <laughs> Well, he loves to tear up the dance floor. He probably also <laughs> loves to tear up the toilet. But but also, can we just talk about how there, there's another Brandon, Brendan. Can they not pick people with different names? Also, like, Connor B, Connor C. Like, dear God. Oh, my gosh. It just makes it confusing. Connor C wore a puka shell necklace growing up. Sir, I wouldn't brag about that. No, would not, would not brag about that. That's funny. Cody is a very proud Eagle Scout. And there was a dude in college that used to like, in our friend group that used to brag that he was an Eagle Scout. And I'm like, cool, bro. Like, I don't know why we're bragging about this. And we used to fucking ride him on that shit all the time. It was so funny. Oh my God. Uh, This guy's name, this guy, Carl, his favorite holiday is New Year's Day. 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 Oh, not even New Year's Eve. No, no. We're not counting down to midnight. Where's the next day? It's the next fucking day. Oh, I hate the next day because that's when you have to eat the good luck meal. And I hate that okay, meal. Okay, I never have done that. No. I know. But I think it's a it's like a real Southern thing. There's one dude, uh, Josh, just wants to travel to Asia. 
just the continent, not a specific country in Asia, just the overall continent of Asia. You know, he really wants to hit like all all of them, like, you know, the biggest continent in the world. He wants to hit it. Yeah. He's going to. Yeah. It's going to be like two years. And he starts up. He starts celebrating Christmas in October. My dude, no. Um, gotta let you gotta let Thanksgiving have its time. You gotta Halloween. Halloween. I mean, how can you? I love Halloween. Halloween is one of my Justin. I get a black. Immediately, Justin. I'm immediately exiting you because you do not like to dance, and that's a problem. That is a huge problem. I feel like it's gonna be a problem for Katie too. She seems like oh. the kind of girl that likes to bust it down the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And then I think that like the, the, on the last like photos that they posted, there is like a mystery box. So I don't know. Who that's supposed to be? Hmm. Like, is that meaning that there's just like a there's like a surprise person coming on? If it's fucking Matt James. I'm boycotting this damn season. Like, the, I the, think the right this is going to be an interesting season. The right thing would be to bring Tyler C back and give him to Katie because they hit it off in that one episode, that one date that she got to go on. They hit it oh, off. Yeah. That would be, yeah, yeah. that would be fun. Do you have a front but runner from any of these guys? Like, absolutely you, not. Is there any? Literally no one. There's, none of them are, like, super hot. Like, none of them are, like, attractive, really. And, like, me, I was going to say maybe Garrett, but not really. Um, mm. I don't know. Let me look. Bro, Jeff got a wide-ass jaw. Like, he is... He is one of those cinder blocks that you see in Mario Kart. Like that is all that I see when I look at his face. You know the the, the, oh, like the things that they dropped. Down. I'm yeah, I'm sorry to this man. I'm so sorry to this man. I I'm gonna predict that she chooses no one. <laughs> That's my prediction. Honestly, like I wouldn't be disappointed. I would not be disappointed. Um, she deserves so much better. Okay, like the two Connors aren't terrible looking. Yeah, they look very generic. But like, I think it's going to be fun. Like, I think she's going to be a fun bachelor. I hope so, because I think the bachelor, I, hope I so. think the producers actually low key hate her because like all her promos that, that she's been doing, like, are just so boring. And when I look at like Hannah B's, like, Hannah Brown's like promo, like they went all out like on her promo. They like made her look like Cinderella walking through the woods. She looked so glamorous, even like with uh, shit. What's her name? The girl. Claire, yeah, Tasha, yeah, Claire. I mean, even mm-hmm. Tasha's they went all out, but like Claire's, they like they went semi all out. They had a theme at least. This, I'm like, what the fuck is the theme? Like, yeah, like there is no theme, Hannah Brown, but, she, but but she looks better in the the this poster that they posted with her purple skirt. Still, like that yeah, was a better one, but it's still boring. It's still boring. Like, what's the theme? Like Hannah Brown's theme was you know the pageant queen coming, like being like not no longer being a pageant queen and like being like you know your own queen and then like claire's was like very much like miss robertson from um the graduate kind of like cougar woman with younger men and then tasha's was like all about the scandals of like a new um bachelorette kind of thing there was a thematic element to every season what the fuck is the one here don't be like be a katie like what the fuck does that even mean what does that even mean be a katie like that was never like a slogan used in the season like i don't understand it yeah, it's really odd. It's almost like she's like a like a talk show host. Yes. That's the vibe that's the vibe I'm getting. Because yes. it's like it's like see what all the buzz is about. It's like this like a like a show. Like a but I mean it is I mean wow. <laughs> like a buzzer like a buzzer show. Yeah. That's what it makes me think no, of. Oh yeah, like it's just very It just seems like, very childish. Yeah. Like 
I don't know. It'll be interesting. I hope for it doesn't. Sure. I hope it doesn't disappoint me. I really hope it doesn't. Well, we'll like have that other girl. What's that next girl? What's her name? Oh, I see. I did not pay attention this season. Like I don't. Uh, Michelle. Yes, Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. So she's next, and then I heard a rumor that there's no more bachelors. God, that'd be the smartest decision ABC ever made in their entire career. So we'll see. Yeah. Trust me. We shall see. I the I. I do not like The Bachelor. I like The Bachelorette so much more personally. Um, just because, like, I feel like we're not, like, you know, lollygagging around. Like, we're actually trying to get shit done kind of thing. And if we look at, like, past relationships that have been successful, like, more The Bachelorettes have been in longer relationships than right. The Bachelors. Yeah. So I feel like that's telling of something. Like, Joelle, um, JoJo, and uh, Jordan, they, like, are still together. And they've been, like, they, like, were on a season, like, in 2016. Mm-hmm. So like they're still like going strong. Um I think yeah. a lot. and then like um Rachel and her boo, they're still going strong. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. Um Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't you I wasn't watching. a fan yeah. at that point. Um but Nick Vile has a podcast now and like Loki, I'm kinda like into it. I've started listening oh, to nice. it. Like I hated Nick Vile when he was on the Bachelor franchise. Like I just he had too many chances and just kept fucking it up way too many times. Like, but he has like like some advice that he gives like for dating and like he has people call into the podcast and gives them like unsolicited like very honest blunt advice and like it's actually like pretty good i've seen it being like um the videos like on my for you page on tiktok and like i'm actually interested in it um so i might start listening to his podcast a little bit more um, yeah he, the, he's like the only nice. person from the bachelor community like whose podcast i have so far been interested in yeah uh but I also had an incident happen last week at work. Uh, my husband came into work with his wife, and I was devastated. <laughs> of course, as you should be. There is this man who comes into my work quite often. Do not know his name. Have never asked his name. Been too nervous to ask this man's name. He's literally like if Tyler C. and Harry Styles had a love child. Like, mm-hmm. Perfection. Oh my god! And for a while, he would come in, and like I would talk, I would be talking to him, and like all my coworkers would see me like harky flirting. Like, you can tell when Emily's flirting, kind of thing. Uh, and like he was definitely flirting back. Like everybody's like, "There's something going on there." Like my coworkers would like like walk far away to like let us have like a moment, kind of thing, and like would not interrupt us talking, so like I could like have my special moment. And it was going great. And then he came in one day and he was just like, yeah, me and my wife are going to honeymoon to Hawaii. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry, what? What? I didn't know we were going to Hawaii. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sweetie. <I'm> so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet of you. Oh, my God. Um, no. And then she came in the other day with him. And she is, of course, flawless and gorgeous. It's of course. Fine. Always. Um, <laughs> so friendly. Like we talked about Hawaii, and I'm like, I'm so happy you guys like you know shared a cabana together, and he like you know fed you grapes. It's fine. It's, it's fine. I'm sure you looked awesome in that bikini and drank awesome shooters and had an awesome time with you in your awesome cabana and awesome Hawaii. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. God, I want to die. <laughs> One day. One, One day, day I'll find out his fucking name. Like, I feel like... But, like, he came in because he really wants tobacco vanilla from Tom Ford, and his wife hates tobacco vanilla. I love tobacco vanilla. And I'm like, just don't divorce her. Please just divorce her. I will... Me and you can just lather ourselves in tobacco vanilla together. Like, that's all I know about this dude. I don't know anything. I met his mom. 
His mom has came in with him. I met him. I've already met the mom. Like you've already you've already jumped over that first turtle. Mm-hmm. I mean, she liked me. We vibed. It was great. You're basically meant to be together. I am basically I like his soulmate. I am basically his soulmate. We are twin flames. We're meant to be together. Um, once I find out his fucking name. <laughs> Yeah, that that might be a good place to start for sure. I mean, like, let's be real. Like, I'm not ever really going to call him by his name. Like, I'm just going to call him Sweetie most of the time. Like, you know, or Honey or, like, Baby. Um, you know, how often do you call Blaine by his fucking name? Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, barely ever. <laughs> like, truly. Truly. I think when I dated the doctor, I called him by his actual name, like, once. And it felt most Most weird. of the time, it's like if I'm in, like, a crowd of people and I need to get his attention. Yeah. Yeah, That's literally yeah. it. Yeah, I think, like, I was helping the doctor move one time, and he was, like, across, like, on like the other across side, the way. On the other yeah. side of the house, and, I, like, I yelled out his name because I didn't know where something went. And it was just, like, it sounds so weird calling you by your name. Mm-hmm. It feels weird. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been my uh, my week. Uh, we talked about The Bachelor. We talked about Chugi. We talked about uh, my husband um, having a wife and, you know, me de- devastated. Uh, what are your captivations going on this week? So my captivation is something I haven't purchased yet. Okay. But I'm going to be purchasing it. Okay. It is an essential for the summer. Okay. It is. My mom and sister have one and they're like, you need one because we're going to the beach together mm-hmm. in the middle of June. Mm-hmm. They are the swig, like tall can um, Swig is a brand. Mm-hmm. They're like the tall canister. Uh, they're almost like coolers for like your Trulies, your White Claws for the beach. I've never heard so of you this. literally just like pop it in there. It covers it all up and keeps it like really cold. It's like almost like a Yeti cooler for your can. Oh. So they have, they have, um, Yeti has the ones that are like, they have the wine ones and then they have ones uh-huh. for like beer cans. Mm-hmm. But I don't drink a lot of beer. Beer makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. Um, especially like on the beach, I'd go for more of like a seltzer or like a something margarita that I mix. Something but like lighter. something light, something yeah. light. But I took um I took uh truly out to the pool today and I was like, man, I really need one of these things. Like so that's what I'm gonna be buying myself this week. I'm very excited. Uh-huh. Um they have cute little summary patterns. Um You'll we'll have to leave a link in the show notes. Yes, yes, yeah. we will. Because because I think that I mean everyone loves White Claws and Trulies, and they're coming out with some Trulies coming out with some like um, fruit punch and like some sort of variety pack that's supposed to taste like our childhood. So I'm very hype about like it. Capri Sun. Um, yeah, yeah, like Ooh. Hawaiian punch kind of oh. like vibes. Um, Interesting. So if I can get that in a seltzer with alcohol, I am lit. <laughs> so um, so yeah, that's definitely. I don't have it. Or know which color I'm getting, but probably like a pink or blue. And you'll show it up on Instagram. It's fine. Yes, I will. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think we all know what my captivation is, and that is Miss Olivia Rodrigo's sour oh, yeah. album. <laughs> LOL, that, that didn't even come to mind. Oh my god, I, it was like planned. I was like, I cannot wait. Like, bruh, I am. You're resort- like Hannah. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like literally, I'm resorting back to being 17 again, and I'm gonna have a teenage hot girl summer. Like I am. Oh my god, it is literally the best album. If you are a sad girl, it is sad girl vibes through and through. Like. Like, I low-key wish there was more upbeat songs because Good For Same. You, Good For You, hands down, my favorite one. Like, I, oh, it, so, it is I a fucking play, I literally play it on repeat. We were, I was literally playing it while we were taking photos on top of a parking lot <laughs> the other night. <laughs> it's this is such a good song. If I have to go through my, my favorites, I would say Good For You is the first one. Um, mm-hmm. Then it is Honestly. Traitor. Honestly. Oh. Favorite Crime. Yes. 
I love favorite crime. Do you think that's about um, Josh dating her when she was underage? Because that's what I think Ooh, it's about. Oh, I never thought about that. Because mm-hmm. oh I think he's God. a little bit older than her. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Miss Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, my God. Like, she, like, I'm God, your, like, a fucking genius. Ma- Truly. Also, like, can and you think about, like, can you think about shooting fucking season two of High School Musical, the musical, the series? He, like, the pain. I, the pain. So, I know on TikTok, like, everyone's saying, like, oh, this song sounds like this, or this is a sample from this. Mm-hmm. But I think she's, like, made us, or she, like, said something when she was either... I can't remember if it was before it was out or after it was out but about how like this whole album was like created based on artists who have like shaped her and like people that she really admires. Uh-huh. So that, that makes sense for it to have all of those. Like, like there's some Taylor, there's some Lord, there's some hey, Lana, there's, there's Billie. some Billie Eilish, there's Paramore. Like yeah. you can hear the bits and pieces of yeah. artists that I love have it, like though. shaped her. It's, I, Trader is beautiful. Trader's probably I my like, third favorite. Yeah, Trader. I really third. like Jealousy, Jealousy. That's I'm my like, least favorite. <laughs> I l- really like that one. Happier is pretty. Um, enough, enough for oh you. Oh my god, enough for you. Oh my god. Uh, like tears, truly oh. tears. <laughs> brutal is just cool. I like, like that's just such a like cool girl song. One step forward, three steps back. Um, hits me right in my chest. Um, and I fucking knew it would because Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift would fucking do that to me. I think that my predict my um your prediction what did I say my prediction the mm-hmm. one that I bet money on is definitely going to come true now that oh, she yeah. is a song that literally the Taylor Swift and the Jack Antonoff Taylor Swift and the Jack worked on and it samples New Year's Day I'm yes. just like okay I'm done I'm done yes did you hear what she did on yesterday on release day um in L A no uh she had a car wash in L A. Um, and she was there meeting fans and like, you got like a, um, like a package, like your car went through the car wash and played like her music, like in the car. And, um, at the end of it, like you got to meet her, like she was standing out there, like in like a little bucket hat and like giving people like sour patch kids that had her face on it. Oh my gosh. I just want, this is why I need to move day. to LA already. <laughs> like Yeah. And so that I can just come visit like you. It was free. Like you could go like if I'm obsessed, I just want to one day walk into target and buy my own album. I know like that probably, is something I'm that sure I that's want. Like so cool. Like that's probably that the coolest the feeling. Coolest, that would be the coolest feeling. Yeah. Half. It would have to be target. Would no you other bu- place? Would you buy all of them or just buy one? <laughs> I would buy all but like two. <laughs> I would, no, buy, I'm just joking. I would buy like one, like leave the rest for like other I'm people. I'm just joking. I would, I would buy one and then I would post on Instagram and be like, yo, I'm going to be in Target for the next hour. Come get my CD. Trust me. I want to do that with my own film, like <laughs> walk into Target to buy my, my film on DVD. Like, yes. <laughs> and then I would just yes. secretly sign all of them. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good idea. Yeah. I, my, uh, I'm friends with an author and she did that like with um, her books. Like when they were released in Barnes yeah. and Noble, she went in and like signed all of them and like. At Barnes & Noble, you do have to tell the employees if you sign them because then they will put a sticker on it that says signed copy. And then I think they can mark out the price then too. I was going to say you can't really do that with the CD because of the plastic wrap. Yeah. True with the DVD though. True. Mm -hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Save the fucking plastic, y'all. <laughs> I know. We need, we need like, something different. But. Yeah. but, yeah, that's been my captivation. I am just, like, living for these sad girl vibes. Like I said, I wish there was more, like, fast, upbeat songs. But, like, the days I need to cry, um, definitely putting this album on for sure. Absolutely. Yes. yes. 
So before we get into today's episode, which we are so thrilled about, we have a very special guest on today. We are going to do a couple of housekeeping things. Make sure you guys are following us on our Instagram. It is at the gals guide pod. Also follow us on our personal Instagrams. Mine is at Emily Elise. And mine is at Hannah Nicole Adams. We also have a secret Facebook group, which you gals should be a part of. Come on now. You can go on Facebook, type in the gals guide, and there is a private Facebook group called the gal scout. You can go in there. You get advice. You can talk to other listeners and you can just like, it's just a really good vibe in there. And we do some giveaways in there. We do some live chats and it's just a really like fun place to talk with other inspiring women. Also, and last but not least, make sure you follow us on um, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the above, and leave us a review. Give us five stars. We love hearing from you guys, and it really just makes our day. Okay, so today we have a very special guest zooming in the studio. She's a psychology professor turned self-help author of Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, and host of the podcast Love and Life, and featured in publications like Glamour, Women's Health, and Bustle. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. We're so happy to have you on. You actually, uh, Hannah, you came across her on Instagram and you, yes. I, we quickly just came, fell in love like with your content <laughs> and everything. We really, I feel like we both resonated with a lot of stuff that you talk about and everything. We've also mentioned it before many times on our podcast. Um, so we are very in tune and aligned with your message. Oh, wow. Thanks so much. But before like, we kind of like dive into everything, uh, one thing that we like to do with all of our guests is ask them like their current captivation. So something that they're really loving in the moment, whether that is a materialistic item, something in the entertainment world or a book, whatever it may be, just to kind of get a little personal really quickly. But we wanted to know what your captivation may be this week. That's such an interesting question. I'm really captivated by people taking charge of their thoughts. And it's not necessarily just this week, but you guys know my brand. It's all about mindset empowerment. And I'm really loving people trying to embrace that. And I think it's something that we kind of know intuitively that it makes a difference what's in our headspace. But I think I'm seeing a lot of people in the discourse on social media presenting that kind of message of empowerment and realizing that everything that you want really is up to you to take charge of your mindset and to believe it. And so to see that happening, I think is really powerful and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> definitely, I feel like we, me and you both, we kind of try to live that mindset of that anything we want is capable and we are powerful of it just as long as we put our mind to it and speak it into existence. It's definitely a philosophy that we both live by for sure. Um, but before we get into everything, we kind of want to just get a little background of you um, and let our listeners know a little bit more about you. So you started off as a psychology professor, like we mentioned in your intro. Um, what kind of like sparked your interest like with psychology and where did you like study and just a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah. Even before being a professor, I was actually a therapist. So when I was 24, 22 years old, graduate college, and then I go and get my master's in clinical psych. And that's for people who don't know all these different terms in psychology and therapy and so forth. That's the branch of psychology for someone who wants to become a therapist. And then, so my first job, I actually was working in the South side of Chicago with kids in the child welfare system. So a very urban context with kids who 
obviously they don't end up in foster care because things have been great at home. So really, really tough stuff working with kids who'd been really very, very uh, just horribly harmed emotionally, psychologically, mm. oftentimes physically. And so, but you know, I was 24 years old and I was going to go save the world and save all the babies. <laughs> hey, you're doing a lot more than I was at Love 24 it. years old. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, getting back to mindset, I think sometimes uh, there was that tension there between having this heart and wanting to make a difference. And then also there's realities of the bureaucracy of social services and red tape and things that are, can be very dis discouraging. I remember my roommate at the time, we were living in Chicago. She's my best friend from high school and she'd done her thing. And then, so we're both 24 and I finished my master's and she's coming back from Italy. She, she went to Italy to find herself, you know, do that whole thing and ended up dating a guy named Fabio who was engaged to someone else the whole time. True story. True story. Oh my God. God. <laughs> I have her on the podcast. <laughs> you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, yeah, so she comes back and we're like, all right, let's move to the city. We're going to do the city girl thing. And yeah, it's, but I'm working with this really very tough population. And I think it was one of those times where the things that you know are happening, but maybe you haven't experienced it personally because you've been blessed and sheltered from such things. It was right there in my office every day, these kids. And I come home one time and she looks at me and she's like, wait, let me get this straight now. You're the therapist, right? I'm like, well, yeah. She's like, well, cause you're depressed. <laughs> like that's so clear. So I don't know how you're helping anyone else. And these kids are, they need help and they don't need you to be depressed. I was like, Oh, Ooh, so that kind of ushered me yeah. firsthand as a young professional into this notion that we're a little bit more comfortable with now. And again, you know, self-care is something that people speak to a lot more, mm -hmm. but this was several years ago when people weren't having those conversations as much. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, yeah, my first foray as a professional. And then I worked in that context for quite a while. I did a year of inner city work in West Philadelphia. Then I went back to get my doctorate. And really, I, I loved being a professor. And I wouldn't have left the academic realm, except that what was happening is my professional life was going along just as planned, you know, set those goals, you know, get that graduate degree, check, set that goal, get that job, check. But my personal life wasn't going uh, as, as much uh, along the same lines of, of the success that I was hoping for. And so, right. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So, so that's what kind of led me into this space because, um, and I don't know if your listeners would may or may not know, and I don't know if you guys have seen from, depending on what post you've seen of mine, but yeah, at 30, I had that milestone birthday that a lot of us experienced like, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, quote mm -hmm. unquote, supposed to be at 30 and met a guy, great guy at a club in Chicago, just felt like, mm, it's not feeling hundred percent right, but gosh, I'm 30 now. And maybe I can't trust my judgment because I'm making choices that aren't working toward my relationship goals that I want. So I ended up dating him for three years, accepted a proposal. And then a year later, two months before our wedding, I called off the wedding and felt like a train wreck. And yeah, and I'm a psychologist, by the way. So I'm <laughs> supposed to be making these kind of mistakes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're over here like deep diving your own personal relationships. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's so much harder to see your own stuff clearly, of course, yeah. right? 100%. Yes. Trust me. <laughs> the amount of my friends now, like low-key always kind of wish that I had, you know, like studied psychology and gone into therapy. The amount of people who told me I should be a therapist. And I was like, mm, I'm too codependent sometimes where like if you're not fixing your problems I'm gonna get really upset about it <laughs> because I'm gonna try and yeah. fix you but right. the 
I mean, just the amount of strength I think it takes, like, a lot of people to become a therapist, and, like, you're taking on other people's problems, and then you, so I think it's really common that, like, you know, I hear a lot of therapists having their own therapist because yeah, yeah. it's just so much, it's so heavy. I know you experience that with your job and everything as yeah. well too. Yeah, that is, that is amazing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted <laughs> about your background and everything. It's My so story. Great. It's so great. But yes. what, I guess like what kind of prompted you to get into writing your book and then also like starting your own podcast as well after that? Yeah. Like I said, it was really based on that experience of, I get back out into the dating scene. I'm 34 now, which is not old, but I certainly wouldn't have scripted my life to go that way. Right. I wouldn't have been 34 years old and a runaway bride and back in the dating scene. And so I went to the self-help section, like a lot of women do. And certainly as a psychologist, I was curious what other professionals were saying about dating. And maybe I was missing something and I got to figure this out. And so many of the titles and the messages were so disparaging and disempowering. And I don't think the authors meant to pre present that kind of work, mm -hmm. but that's how I took it. I'd go to the self-help section and, and the message would be change these five things about yourself. And then he'll show up tomorrow on a white horse. And I thought, that's selling a lie. Yeah. I, and, and I know that that sells when people are sad and lonely, they mm -hmm. want a book that promises five simple steps to change themselves. And I also, as a woman felt that we've worked really hard to be able to be authentically ourselves and I shouldn't have to change who I am. And the things that I was told I'm too picky, or maybe you're too opinionated or, or you have a PhD now that's going to intimidate the men. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, well, then he's not my guy if he's intimidated because exactly. I'm educated, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, so I was really, I was complaining about it to my parents. We were, we got to the bookstore because we're all nerds in my family. So we were driving home from the bookstore <laughs> one time and I was complaining about that. And I was just saying, you know, I have, I, I have so many accomplished and intimidating quote unquote friends who are happily married. So I, this, this little formulaic ex explanation as to why I'm still single it doesn't, it doesn't jibe. It's not making sense. It doesn't hold water. And I was complaining about my dad's like, well, you're a psychologist. Maybe you need to write the book. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, okay, here right. we go. Like, let's do it. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> I love that. That's, That's awesome. amazing. But yeah, I mean like the whole like intimidating like factor, like has always gotten like all my nerves because I've always been told that I feel like I've, I've, a lot of people have always told me that because I am very just straightforward, blunt, like I'm also attractive. And then I also have a master's degree and I'm also a direct film director. So like, I'm very accomplished in certain things. And you were the lucky one that, you know, just are with like your high school sweetheart. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's something that I have always experienced. And I feel like we, me and you have talked about it too, where like, I've dated guys who were older than me or even younger than me. And it's just like, it can't be the same thing. It can't all be that I'm intimidating or whatever. Like somebody has to be able to match that. It's not yeah. like I'm literally my standards at the time when I first started getting back into the, like, the adult dating world were like bare minimum. I'm like, I'm not asking for the stars at this <laughs> we point. Just wanna, like, we just want to text back. I just want some flowers, right. which is right. like a text back, which is right. like you know, plan events, like instead of the day of like, you know, a week in advance, maybe, you know, right. 
drop $50 on dinner would be instead of like, right. you know, McDonald's be just every now and then it would be really great to just go out instead of dating on your couch. Um, but- right. Right. Netflix and chill. I mean, yeah. Like you're asking for a proper, polite, respectful approach to you. Yeah. And so you I'm should like, absolutely ask for that and expect that. Exactly. So I'm like, how in the world is that intimidating in any way? And I always hate that, like, in my experience, it's always felt like it was, like, just another way to, like, make the woman in, in this, in a, especially in the heteronormative, right. like, relationships, just make her, like, feel bad. It's like, no, like, I shouldn't feel bad for all these accomplishments in the world. And it got to the point where I just had to be comfortable, like, being single. I'm like, okay, well, if I just, if I don't get in a relationship, like, it's not the end of the world. I'm still going to be the fun aunt. I'm still a great third wheel with you and your boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) been there done that so many times (laughs) but I think the reason that we we really wanted to have you on and we just loved everything that you are about was that you're so in tune and like with your message being about empowered dating versus disempowered dating and you've done like a whole like workbook on it and I checked it out I loved it thanks (laughs) thank you definitely will be like downloading and doing the exercises myself probably later (laughs) but I want to talk about like that whole like message that you've kind of cultivated and what it's I feel like it's kind of the essential of like your whole brand Yeah. Well, it's exactly what you talked about. And it just breaks my heart to hear someone who like, you're gorgeous, you're lovely, you're so whip smart, you're ambitious. And for you to ever think you should dim any of that, if anyone has even given you the subtlest message that somehow you need to be a little bit less than you're a little extra and a guy can't handle it. That just breaks my heart. What have we been doing as women? except but to be able to be to thrive in the fullness of who we are and the right guy is going to love every ounce of you mm-hmm. he absolutely will it's it's absurd my husband loves that i'm educated he loves that i'm opinionated he he's more attracted to me that wasn't threatening to him if a guy's threatened by that he's not your guy period boom yay weed him out good we don't yes, have time exactly to, right so yeah and so the empowered dating really came from twofold. It was, it was my, obviously my own experience and things that I had heard. And so the single shaming that's out there and trying to present messaging that would empower women to understand exactly what I just said a moment ago, that we are not to, to dim our light in any way, shape or form. And then the second part is to also recognize that because if we're not in that space that you mentioned, if we haven't gotten to the space where we're like, I'm okay, we can, unwittingly present ourselves in the dating scene from a place of lack and scarcity and there's fear behind it. And we may unknowingly start to lower our standards and we don't even get it. We don't even realize it until we've been very firm and clear with ourselves to say, I am totally fine being single. If that is my path, like you said, I'll be the fun aunt. I will, I will thrive. I will, I will nurture. I will love. I will, there will be no lack of love in my life. It may not be finding my person, which is a really hard pill to swallow. It's hard to get to that place because we deeply want partnership. I think it's like 98% of, of Americans get married because most people, the vast majority of us want our person and there's no shame in wanting that. Be that as it may, if we want it so desperately that we then feel incomplete or we feel that we would rather settle than be alone, that's where we get into that territory of disempowered dating. So that's why I started talking about things like we need to be on a first date, 
being present and warm and friendly and being the fullness of who we are, but also being a bit detached. I'm just here. It's the first date. I'm here to find out if you're a fit. I'm not here to try to cajole, do backflips to make sure you like me. That's not my job. <laughs> I will be warm and friendly and you should like me because I'm a wonderful person. But if you don't, again, <laughs> we'll just read people out, right? That's so that's, yeah, that's where the empowered dating piece came in. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think like for for me, and we mentioned this before on an episode that we did where it was called like single is your superpower. And I talked about like how like when I've started going on first dates, like I used to have the mentality like, oh, like I really hope like I like, like I really hope they like me. And now it's turned into, God, I really hope I like them. So I don't (laughs) have to bash them on this podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because (laughs) I will share the story on the podcast, whether or not it's good or bad, it's totally up to him. (laughs) (laughs) Bring your A game, bro. (laughs) Bring it. And especially like starting this podcast and like when guys find out I have this podcast, I Mm. feel like it does add that level of pressure. And Mm. I've definitely seen, I was going to say, I've seen an uphill, you know, like, track of it but I've also had like some really bad guys like since then so like it's not really like it's not really holding anybody accountable in the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I I experienced that when when my I'd written the first version of my book when I met my husband and yeah so he knew my backstory and obviously he googled me his friends googled me and I I didn't have quite the presence on Instagram or anything because Instagram, I think was just starting, but, uh, yeah, so I got some of that too. Like one of my, my husband's friends said, don't you worry that you're just gonna be the next chapter in her next book? You know, like that kind of thing. What they know your backstory. They're like a little bit like, Oh, wait a minute. I know. But, but again, the right guy won't be intimidated. That didn't deter my husband. He just thought, wow, this is a woman who's really thought a lot about relationships. And yeah, I was 40 when we met and that's longer, further along in life than most people expect to meet their person. And he, yeah, I'm sure at some level he was like, well, I mean, she's still single. So like, like most people will think after a certain point, right. There must be something wrong with her, but obviously he, <laughs> that's what people think. And it's so, it's so, it's so unfair. And what I try to encourage my community is to remember there's so much right with you because you haven't settled. There's so much right with you because you aren't going to just phone it in with some mediocre relationship just so that everyone will get off your back and you'll have a plus one. Mm-hmm. You're, you're willing to be strong enough to wait for something really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So when people start to get to know you and these first dates, we'll see if they make it, to, if they make the cut to the next couple of dates. Mm-hmm. But when they really get to know you, they will, again, the right person will be, will admire the strength that it has taken you to be single longer than maybe you wanted to be. Yeah. I think me and you both have um, gone through moments where we settled a little bit in a relationship. And then like, once we got out of that, we were like, what were we thinking? Why for a moment did I consider settling when you, for instance, have seen like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and have like, yeah, but I, but I settled for like five years. So Mm, yeah the, yeah fun. and then I six months <laughs> but still, still, still it was enough it was six months to last a lifetime of trauma but I mean I think like once you get out of that and like you're able to look back at like yourself like once you have settled you know how low like you could feel and you never want to go back to that place ever again and so it only can push you I think to go farther and to not really lower your standards ever again at least that how that's how it was for me and I think you as well too but um go ahead 
sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it really is about coming to, and it's another part of the empowered dating approach is, is coming to dating with a desire for partnership, like we talked about, which is completely normal and healthy and wonderful, but not needing a partner, right? There's a big distinction there. And when we look back at those times we've settled, it's because we somehow start to convince ourselves that it was worth it to be with someone and anyone will do it's better than being alone. And when we look back, like you guys have both done and you go, what was going on in my head that I thought that it was okay. And even when it was just settling, like my ex fiance, he wasn't abusive. He wasn't, he was a great guy. And sometimes that makes it harder, right? If there's no kind of overt reason, <laughs> right. You can't put your finger on it. Right. You're, you're like, what you like me. Really me. <laughs> right. Like uh, on paper, it looks great, right, but yeah. you're just not right. for me. So exactly. You're just yeah. not for me. You don't have that, that internal connection, that excitement, that chemistry. And so it can be really hard. So you, but when you're settling, you start to convince yourself, well, maybe I'm, maybe what I'm hoping for doesn't exist. Maybe Disney sold us a lie about true love. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that can go on in our head. And that's why I'm always so uh, big about the mindset stuff is to make sure that our thoughts are sorted and we're thinking the right thoughts because then everything else trickles down from there. And when I started approaching to, after I caught off my wedding, I was like, well, you know, that might be it, Karen. I mean, let's be honest, right? You're 34, which again, it's not old, but I mean, I'd been through a lot already by then. I thought that may be the last guy who ever proposes marriage to you. And if so, okay. And I could simultaneously be okay single and not need a partner while also being okay single and wanting a partner, deeply wanting a partner. I had to sit with that tension because a lot of times women, if they're, if they're okay single, then people go, oh, you're so independent and you act like you don't need a man. And I'm like, yeah, both are true, but I want a man. That doesn't mean that I'm abrasive and harsh and that I'm going to be have this edge to me. Yeah. It's like, it I just still want to cuddle. I still, right. you know, <laughs> I still, you know, like want someone to cook in the kitchen together. Like, you know, like, yeah. Hannah's my best friend. I love her to death. I could, you know, spend almost every day with her. She's the only oh. person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said almost every day. Almost. <laughs> but I, you're the only person I text every day. However, you can, they, there's not everything you can fulfill in my life. You can't give me the same thing a boyfriend could give me. And like, there's so many other things that like, you can give me that a boyfriend can't give me and vice versa. And I don't, th I never want women, I feel like to feel bad for wanting a companion mm -hmm. right. and, you know, feeling bad for saying like, I want a boyfriend. It's like, well, like you're sound needy. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not needy. I just, you know, would like someone to like kiss every now and then, right. and, like you know, <laughs> treat me special and go out on dates. I mean, I we're human. I think it's so natural to want and crave that partnership. Yeah. And it just makes me sad that women get, they get pigeonholed into either, like you said, if they want a relationship, they're either told that they're too needy and then they're like, oh, okay, I'm too needy. I'm too independent. What, which is it people? Yeah. <laughs> like I can't win here. And I really firmly believe again, that if you can fully desire and deeply want partnership and not come off as desperate or needy, cause you're not, you, you want it, but you don't need it to the point that you're willing to settle. And you can present yourself as a full, as fully strong, independent, articulate, 
whip smart woman and also be super feminine if that's your vibe, if that's what you're going for. And if it's not, that's cool too. But for me, I didn't want to dim my light. I didn't want to water myself down in any way, shape or form. And I also wanted to be able to find a very masculine man who I could be very fully feminine with, who also, like we talked about earlier, wasn't intimidated by the fact that I had degrees and opinions. Exactly. Exactly. There's so many times where I've had incidents and I, I had this one today and I almost texted you this one today. Oh <laughs> there, was, there was a guy that we've mentioned recently on the podcast. We nickname all the guys that I date different names. Um, yeah. And this, My one is, to do that. this one is named John Mayer because um, he thinks that he is John Mayer, but he's not. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> is he a player? He, I mean, def- he is John Mayer, like 280. Yeah, like, really, I, I don't know a lot about Hollywood stuff, but I, I've heard John Mayer gets around. Is, yeah, yeah, player. yeah. I, I, we named him that because he's a musician. He kind of sounds like him. And, he sound, and his music <laughs> style yeah. is like John wow. Mayer. Um, so. He just happened to also be a player as well. But in retrospect, I was talking to one of my coworkers today and I was thinking like, you know, should I give him another chance? And she's like, sweetie, if you saw him on Tinder, would you have swiped left or right on him? And I was like, I probably would have, you know, hit X and not swiped on him. She's like, then why are you begging for this man's attention and validation when like you probably had to convince yourself that you liked him in the first place? Mm. And it's, it's something that I definitely have done. I think a lot of women in their Mm -hmm. 20s especially have done, 20s, 30s, like you, you see this like sliver of attention. Like you've been alone for so long. You see yep. this sliver of attention and you think, well, he doesn't mean like everything on the checklist, mm-hmm. but like, you know, he's giving me attention. I'm not getting any younger. So mm-hmm. we, yep. let's just, you know, let's just see if this one works out. When in re- retrospect, like if you had like seen him like on any dating app, you would have never given him <laughs> the time or day. Right. Like, you'd be like, ew, this is disgusting. Moving on. I can do better. But because he reached out to you, because he's giving you attention and affection that no one else is at the time, and there's, like, a part of you that it's, like, craving validation externally instead of internally, mm-hmm. you're therefore going to cater to all his whims and needs. Mm-hmm. Your your friend was totally spot on. Everything you just said a few minutes ago, it's, it's one of those things like we know it, right? I mean, look at that. You just had this monologue that was like, boom, boom, boom. This is why this is not a bad idea. Yet. <laughs> There that you caught yourself going, wait a minute, maybe, yeah, huh? No, I mean, but it is, it's, and again, it comes from the messaging that we encounter. It comes from our fear, you know, the biological clock kicks in. Like I've got a time window. If I want to be a mommy, these are all very real pressures that women face. And some of them, we can't change biology, right? There's some realities that we face. I, I still don't think that the solution to the biological clock is to settle for someone I don't think it's fair to the children you're going to have. Like mommy was just okay with daddy. So she went ahead and said, yeah, let's get married and have babies. Okay. That's great. Your, your kids don't need that love story for their parents. They really don't. No. And it's, it's, yeah. And that gets into a whole nother thing I talk about in my book because family systems theory talks about how the family is strong. The kids are healthier when the, it starts with a marriage, not even the parenting, but the marital subsystem, we call it in family systems therapy. That has to be the strong element that the the rest of the family subsystems benefit from that strength in the marriage. So even when people, and you know, I have women in my community who are in their early forties and, and, you know, they're very concerned about their fertility window and they'll DM me and their concern. And I I honor that concern. I get it. That is a huge thing. I still don't think the solution is to settle for someone. I mean, that's just a sperm donor then. And I don't, I don't think it's very loving to someone else either. Like, oh yeah, I'll accept your proposal. Oh yeah. I guess I'm in love with you. Sure. Uh-huh. Really? You just want their sperm. 
Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, she wouldn't have children at this point. And it's probably less trauma for you to just go down to the spur bank and get a donor that way. It's probably less trauma for the child, less trauma for you, mm-hmm. and it just probably will save you some money in the long run from having to do <laughs> right. a wedding and everything. <laughs> right. And a divorce, which exactly. is pretty expensive too. <laughs> exactly. And I think especially, I I don't know if, what you think about this. I would love to hear your thoughts, especially since you are um, a therapist and everything. Uh, we both grew up with very devoted, loving parents who are still together 30 plus years. And Mm. most of the people that I have dated, um, I think most of the people you have dated, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Minus my current situation. Um, situation. (laughs) Relationship. (laughs) It's been a long day. (laughs) But most of the people I've dated have come from divorced homes. And I wonder if that plays an effect, especially on women um, with that whole, like feeling the need to settle or like rush or whatever. Cause I know for me, it, I mean, my father is very loving to my mother. Like they are the definition of soulmates. It's disgusting sometimes how much in love they are, but they really set like a bar for yeah, me. Yeah, I think yeah. when it comes to relationships, especially my father and what I look for, like in a guy, cause I see how well, like the man buys my mom a new diamond ring every 10 years and mm-hmm. like buys her roses. Like for like, his love language is like gift giving. Like he mm-hmm. buys her roses for every holiday. Like that woman is spoiled to a T and she just, they just adore each other so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, the men that I'm meeting are, they, they ain't doing that. Um, I'm lucky. Okay. If, <laughs> I'm lucky if a man buys me popcorn at the movies. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just like, where's that at? Like, where, where's that at? So I want to know, like, do you think that like, a parent like how the parent dynamic like the plays a role in how people are with like empowered versus like disempowered dating yeah well i would say that is one of the reasons you're single is because you know what it's supposed to look like okay well that's comforting (laughs) yeah i think that's nothing yeah Yeah. that's nothing but a strength and here's the thing what your parent now sometimes people find this early they get lucky i i sometimes it's just in the, in the cards and in the stars for people to meet their person early. But for many of us, if we're really looking for something that's exceptional, not the run of the mill marriage that everyone complains about the ball and chain and relationships are so hard, like, which I'm so tired of hearing all that, because honestly, if you wait for the right person, it's not that hard. I'm just gonna tell you right now as a married woman, I'll be married. (laughs) It's not, it's not. Yeah. And if it is that hard, I take issue with it. Yeah. So yeah. What are you saying, Hannah? You're over there. I just like was in, like, like I said, I've dated someone for five years, thought, thought we were going to get married. We like took breaks. I got yeah. back together. Like I, I think I intimidated him cause I went and got my master's degree obviously for speech mm-hmm. and, um, he wasn't in college. And so I like encouraged him to come to college mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, it just, it was a domino effect and we just weren't meshing. We didn't have the same end goals, but I kept trying right. to make it work. And then I was like, you know what, like, this is just this is not who I'm supposed to be with at all. Um, finding someone who's just as driven as me or just as um, has the same goals and the same end game. And it was so difficult in those five years. And I've been with my current boyfriend now over two years. And like, it's just like a breeze. Like, I mean, right. yes, we have our little arguments, but we know how to communicate to each other what's going on or like, Hey, I didn't really like it. How you spoke to me in this situation. Like next time, could you try X, Y, and Z? And it's just like clear communication. It's so like we live together now and it's just, 
I mean, it's the healthiest I, communication. I, I've literally seen the healthiest communication I've ever had in any kind of relationship. And I'm like, now I understand when people are like, just wait until you find your person. Yeah. Right. Because I've seen how it is with somebody who, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard all five years. And I was like, this is right. not how it's supposed to be. I don't think you felt valued in those five years. And now like you find somebody who like sees the value in you and doesn't yeah. want to like to diminish do it, me. doesn't want to do anything that would risk losing you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or do anything that would like, you know, hurt you in any way. Cause that would be almost like hurting him mm-hmm. in the same way. And so I think that for me, just as a third person, like looking in, like it's definitely your healthiest relationship that you have been in and you yeah. just like someone who supports all areas, like the speech, Literally your biggest the speech cheerleader. world, the, the music world, the like, like writing songs. Like he created a Reddit page for me. <laughs> As a musician and I was like oh my god oh I love so, yeah. that yeah that's great yeah and, it, and and it's so valuable then though and that's one of the things too because again a lot of the women in my community maybe like like we've talked about maybe they're further on in their life than they had hoped to be and I try to remind them that all those relationships they've had in the past they're so informative like you you appreciate what you have now so much more because of the five years of struggle right mm-hmm. and I'm, no one would say oh Hannah uh, sorry, but you got to go and have a real hard relationship for five years. You'd be like, ah, no, no, thanks. I'll, I'll step aside. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no. But looking back, aren't you glad? Because now yeah. you really get what healthy communication is. It also sounds to me like you guys just have more common goals for how to do life. Your mm-hmm. values are more aligned. It is a drag to try to drag someone along towards your values, whether it's yeah. education or whether it's lifestyle. Yeah. That is just, and it's not fair to the person either when you think about it. Right? No, like, no. Part of me is like, he can, you know, he didn't need to go to college. I don't know why right. I, you know what I mean? I kind of yeah. overstepped there, I guess. But in, you know, hindsight's 2020, should have, that should have been my own flag that we were going to be on different paths anyways. Um, he came from a divorced household. And so he, you know, he was very much, he was very clingy to me. And I think that was because he had mm-hmm. seen such a broken marriage in his life. And so um, he like tried to buy my love and then, and then it just kind of fizzled out after, after he knew yeah. he had me, there was no like. Stopped dating you kind he, of He thing. stopped dating me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is not fun. <laughs> no, no. And, and yeah. And it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. I didn't coin this term, but I love it. It's date your spouse, right. Or date your boyfriend, girlfriend, or your partner, whoever it, keep, keep the love alive. And that's it's And people say, well, you got to work at it. No, you don't. If you, if you're with the right person, it comes naturally. Like, of course, yeah. Sometimes you have to go, all right, we've been talking about household bills, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's, let's pivot and let's have a conversation about how much we love each other. Mm -hmm. Let's go on a date night and make sure whatever those kind of tasks, those to-do lists that we just put that aside and talk about anything else, right? You, you do have to carve out space to make sure you're nurturing the relationship, but it shouldn't be all that difficult. And I'm, because so many members of my community are women who aren't married yet or aren't in partnership yet. I'm always trying to remind them to, to recognize this because it is so much easier to step into a healthy relationship than to try to 10 years on, try to fix something that really wasn't meant to be a relationship in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can definitely. She's Bob the Builder. Right here. <laughs> She's trying to fix everything. Bob the everyone. She's trying to fix everyone. <laughs> well, like it, this kind of transitioned to like another thing that I wanted to talk to you about because I've seen you mention it before, which was I want to know what your thoughts are 
with attachment theory and how that plays a role into this because that was one of the first episodes that we did. It was like episode five, I think, was attachment yeah. theory. And it was literally because I had just learned about it in therapy with my therapist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the research about it because at the time I was getting out of a really traumatic relationship where I uh, was heavily love bombed at the beginning of it. And then towards the end, it was very manipulative and he gaslit me and was just, you know, making me feel like I was crazy all the time, picked fights in front of her. Uh, in front of everyone in downtown. All my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Wow. Oh, oh he's was... also um, an emergency room doctor. So, you know, he's trying to, so it's just, it's great that, yeah, you know. So he shows up in his scrubs all the time to remind people that he's a doctor. Uh-huh. That kind of oh, thing. He's, still, he's <laughs> yeah. in, he's in, he was in, still in med school at the time, but he, you know, he always wore his white coat to remind everybody that right, he was in right, med school. Yeah. Sounds like um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's very narcissistic. And at the time, I always thought like, well, I had a really great childhood, except mm-hmm. for, you know, this spot in middle school where I was like severely bullied and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as like my like early, early childhood was, had great, had loving parents, devoted parents, had a devoted mm-hmm. grandmother who looked after me. And so I had always felt really secure and then I get into this relationship and afterwards like I am you know my therapist and I were noticing like certain like you know anxious attachment you know mannerisms and just like how I was acting like super codependent in some moments and I was like how did this happen (laughs) and Mm -hmm. trying to work back to a place where I am more secure and I definitely think I'm more secure now than I was um years ago when that relationship happened Mm -hmm. um almost like I'm like trying to rewire myself in a way yeah Yeah. um but I want to know what your thoughts are um as far as that because the explanation that we have done of attachment theory is very like based on (laughs) psychology today and google and everything but i would love to hear from an actual doctor more about that and what your opinion is of it yeah well speaking specifically let's start with your example because it's always great to concretize this kind of talk with with an example and so to me from what you shared i would certainly concur that you had secure attachment and you probably still do now you went through a traumatic relationship and our relationships can mess with us. They do a number on us, right? And so you probably started with this very normal connection to him and the attachment started to grow and grow, but he was love bombing. So that kind of messed stuff up on the front end. And then he starts gaslighting and being a narcissist and all that sort of thing. And so that starts messing with things in the middle and the end. And so, yeah, you can leave. I I don't want to say your attachment style would totally change, but you can, you're altered a bit, right? Because you went through trauma and he was making you feel like a crazy person. So my, I guess my, my main point is that I love that these models are out there for people to try to process and unpack and understand what they went through. But I worry that sometimes people go through life and then go, oh crap, I must be anxiously attached. And I'm like, no, you just dated a jerk (laughs) that, that. It's not you it has nothing to do with you. You just went through a really bad situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, could that rewire your brain to be more traumatized? I, I think if you were, had an anxious attachment with your primary caregiver as a child, then that might be something that has a neurological pathway that we would want to work on rewiring toward a healthy realm and in a healthy direction. But I think with you, I think it's more like you just got to bounce back to your default mode. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. It sounds like you're you're getting there, right? You're yeah. starting to yeah. you're starting to feel more like yourself. But I mean, yes. it can take a while. I mean, you can go through a bad breakup. It can take a couple of years to bounce back fully. Yeah. I remember after some of my breakups, I was like, oh, I don't even recognize who I am. Right? I feel this kind of needy, like anxious attachment thing. And I like you, super strong parents, strong marriage, all the all the wonderful things, like textbook, healthy family. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get married till I was forty two, so there was a lot of relationship. I won't say trauma necessarily, but def- heartbreak that, that did yeah. its, its number on me. So I had to get back to my default mode and remember who I was and remember what I'm about and remember that all that nastiness that I experienced wasn't about me. That wasn't about me. That was about them oh, yeah, and their sure. inability to be a quality person. Yeah. And I'm not going to own that. And this is this kind of stuff, right? Again, reminding ourselves of who we are, what we're about, that we're worth it, that we are empowered, that this is all that no matter what we've been through, our mindset overrides all of that. And this is not, not just my philosophy coming in, but if you, for anyone who's interested in how to rewire your brain after trauma, there's an episode of my podcast, Love and Life. I just want to do a plug because this is a really oh, sensitive yeah, Go issue. right ahead. Okay. Go for you. All right. I just, <laughs> well, just a plug for my podcast because I spoke with a neuropsychologist, Dr. Rhonda Freeman, just about this issue. And it's awesome. all about rewiring your brain and tangible steps you can take when you find yourself obsessing about your ex, right? And you're having a hard time. Yeah. And you should have Dr. Freeman on your podcast too. Yeah, we'll she would love it. Look okay. No, I'll, I'll connect you guys because oh gosh, yes. again, to get that scientist's perspective. And so she went through a narcissistic relationship, just like many of us have. Right. And then she starts finding herself obsessing, ruminating, feeling this anxious attachment. And she's like, wait a minute, this is not me. What is going on here? Yeah. And then she like looks herself in the mirror and she's like, well, you're a neuropsychologist. You got to figure it out. You got to do the same things that you've been trained to do that. You know, this is how the brain works. You no, you can harness it. You can use your brain's wiring for positivity, for healing, for growth. And she did that on herself. And now she's got some really great strategies. So yeah, I can't remember the number. number, Yeah. I can't remember the number of the episode, but Again, it's just literally definitely go look at that. We'll leave it in our show notes too. Okay, cool. Click the link. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like that's exactly like what it was for me because it was almost like an outer body experience in a way when this was all happening. I remember like the, the fight that led to like our breakup and everything, like the whole moment, like that's happening. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is not me. Like, this is what, what is happening. And just feeling like I've gone insane. I mean, like he was somebody who definitely he apparently he has now gone to a therapist. He emailed me a, a year later after we broke up mm-hmm. um, to let me know. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're blocked <laughs> right. on everything, but okay. Right. Uh, he, to tell me that he had a fearful avoidant attachment um, because he had um, his father left him at a young age and his mother is not a good person either. And his sister's awful. It just, um, he had a ton of family trauma that he would dump on me a lot of the time. Sure. And I'm like, sure okay, now I have to fix this, I guess, um, because it made me feel like I was the therapist in this relationship. And I was like, what do I do? This is a broken person. Um, Here, I'm going to shower you with love so you don't feel broken. And then it just drained me. And it never works. I mean, you can't love him enough for the fact that his father took off and his mother was no good and his sister's no good. I mean, you can't fix that. Yeah. You can't. And and it, it, yeah. I think for me, like it was something where I had been, I had chosen to be single for eight years until that relationship. So I was like, I always, I'm an only child. I have always been perfectly fine, independently alone. And then I got into that relationship and it was just like something clicked. And I was suddenly like, 
almost begging for this person's attention. And when we broke up, uh, I just didn't want to settle with that uncomfortable pain because I was devastated from it. And I started dating, like, I, like, I dated like three people after him, like instantly, Mm -hmm. like we broke up on a Thursday. I went on a date on Saturday Mm -hmm. and I just didn't want to be alone and settle with that. And my therapist was like, you were just postponing the yeah, pain so that's you don't so have true. to process it so like true. it's just only gonna get worse and worse and then I finally yeah. saw him out on a date and that was when I just like cracked and fell yeah. apart and I was like I, I'm no longer going to allow myself to feel like this anymore like I'm no longer gonna allow men to treat me like this anymore and this John Mayer dude that I was seeing <laughs> was the first guy that I had started like dating and established like boundaries early on in the relationship it was like these are my standards these are my boundaries take it or leave it and it was a moment where he was like i respect you i respect you i'm here for that that's what that's your standard i can't level up to that i was like okay fine then we're done then then i'm walking away and then i'm done and we were both chill about it still and i mean both respected each other both were is the most healthiest like situation that i have been on since right and it was refreshing to see. I'm like, okay, so not every guy, while he is a player, like, not every guy is like disrespectful of that. When I do right, establish my right, 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 and I do establish right. my standards, and that you know, there there can be like a, a, I guess like a happy ending to a breakup in a way. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it just it just felt healthy. Like I didn't feel like yeah. I was traumatized or anything and I just I felt respected and I felt like a human and I wasn't felt like I was just like you know being used for my body or anything like that if that makes sense yeah well and I just love that you were able to be real forthcoming and articulate about your standards and then he was like yeah like you said yeah I can do that I can do, can't do that that's not me and you're like okay I mean it's I know it's hard the thing is is that when we're dating and we establish our boundaries and we have our stand our standards we would love it if when there's not a match, like it sounds like John Mayer wasn't a match, then that we could part ways. And it sounds like you did respectfully. That part was all in place, but you still felt bad. You still had, you caught yeah. feelings, right? So you're still yeah. like, uh, and then you're like, maybe, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem is that we wish that we could part ways and not have any sadness or any disappointment or any heartbreak. You're still going to have a little bit of a heartbreak, but it won't, you protected yourself from the massive heartbreak like you've been through before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to go through those smaller heartbreaks to make sure that we're avoiding something that we could, yeah, you could have kept on with John Mayer for a while and kept telling yourself, oh, maybe those other standards, maybe they're not that important. And then, you know, three years later, now we have a massive heartbreak on our hands. And that's what what happened with the doctor. That's exactly what happened. Whereas I just kept compromising my standards and letting him, you know, walk over my boundaries. And I was just like, and I'm like, I'll be fine. It, it's going to be fine. I kept saying, I'll be fine. And then we're like six months into this and I'm like, oh, I'm devastated. Yeah. <laughs> just going through depression and everything and just delay, like almost delaying the inevitable, which I think right. everybody knows, like when you get into those relationships, you know how it's going to end. You're just postponing the yeah. heartbreak and it's only going to make it worse. And I think when you can be honest with yourself in the beginning and stay true to what you value and who you are and not settle, the less hurtful it will be in the end. Basically. It's so true. I remember, and this really speaks to another theme that that we often get, and I definitely was 
guilty of this is the getting back with the ex, right? The on again, off again, and the whole, <laughs> that can be very hard to, to make a clean break. Hannah's like, okay, I'm not the only one here, huh? Okay. <laughs> right. Well, yep. Mm, yep. But this time but, it worked out for you though. Well, this, well, we had like 10 years. So That's the guy that I'm with yeah. now, we dated, he was my first boyfriend ever when I was like 15. Aww. So we went out, on, <laughs> I mean, we went out, like we went to prom together and yeah. we went to like, Cracker Barrel, like, yeah. 15, like, but I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to marry him. And then I was like Aww. devastated and heartbroken. But like yeah. 10 years later, he come mm-hmm. like came back into my life and I was like straight up with him. I was like, you know, I need to know that you are, you've changed, you're committed. Like, we're not going to do this. Cause he broke again. your heart the first time. Yeah. So like, first yeah. so like, we're not going to do this again. So if you're not in it for like, yeah the long haul and like really getting to know me and all this, then like, I don't want to go there again. Um, and it's ended up working out for, for the good. So, but yeah, I am, I like date. I just date in circles. I'm like, "Mm, who can I go back to? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't want to meet anybody new. I don't like new people. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I talk about that in my book too, but, um, but yeah, speaking to what we're, we're saying here, it is the idea of whether, whether do you, you take the, just the clean break now, which is painful, but so much less painful than slowly tearing apart, right? And so the longer that we're bonded, we've bonded with someone, it's going to be so much harder to disentangle than to try to do what you did, which was at least with John Mayer, it didn't get so, you didn't get so deep into it that it became so painful. So it's that clean break that's really hard in the moment, but so much less hard than that long drawn out on again off again slowly disentangling yeah yeah which is what i did with every other um guy same (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was like he doesn't know that he's the experiment but we're gonna try this moment where i'm just gonna be completely forthright and just like be upfront like i've never done before and we're just gonna see what happens he had Mm -hmm. no idea that that was the first time i was ever doing it and um i think it worked out for the better like i still like i saw him like on the street like a couple years i wouldn't try to hide from him (laughs) which i cannot say about every other guy that i've dated (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) but i think um like with dating nowadays uh people, I think they're just so eager to like reach these certain phases. It was something that I, I mm-hmm. encountered like with, um, the doctor, with the other guys I've dated were like, it's like, okay, like we're going to meet the friends. We're going to meet the family. There's so many different phases that people are trying to tick. And I feel like now relationships are so much more sped up and faster and nothing is taking it slow anymore. Could you help us like define like what a healthy timeline of a relationship looks like like when are you setting boundaries and like when are you uh trying to do those milestones because i think that a lot of people just get confused it's like okay well like he's not my boyfriend like by like three months in and he doesn't want to be with me and like it's just Mm -hmm. like i think every relationship runs its own course and i know with you and your boyfriend like it definitely like was like you took a little bit longer than I feel like a lot of people do because you really wanted to make sure about it. Yeah. So could you help us like define like what that healthy timeline and behavior looks like? Yeah, that's so interesting. You asked that because last week on my podcast, my husband and I, we, we got, I asked my Instagram community for a bunch of questions because they, they like to pick our brains. Right. And so um, a lot of the questions for whatever reason surrounded those early stages of our relationship. And we met in the end of August and didn't become exclusive until January. And he was dating other people and I was dating other people. We didn't know about it because 
I didn't ask that question. It wasn't my business. You yeah. know, we're not exclusive. What he does when he's not with me is none of my business. And exactly. he didn't, and he didn't ask me either. And it's funny because so it was the end of August to the beginning of January, which I thought was a pretty appropriate timeline. But a lot of the women in my community were like, how in the world that seems so long. I, I've, after like a month and a half, I'd be like, where is this going? Or are we exclusive or what? And I just didn't ever take that. So yeah, one of my followers was like, were you always like that? And I'm like, I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I think I was. And I didn't mean to, I wasn't trying to play hard to get, or it wasn't this intentional pacing. It was just that for whatever reason, and based on all the themes we've talked about in this episode, I just didn't think it was wise to try to jump all in. I, I don't know this person. How could I know this person? Exactly. Even if I've caught feels and I feel this chemistry and it seems like he's this great guy after a month, I don't know this person. He can tell me whatever he wants to tell me. Yeah. I have to watch him demonstrate who he is to me, not just when it's him and me, but when it's him with my family, when it's him with my friends, when it's him with the waiter, when it's him in road rage or no road rage. I'd prefer no road rage, but you can't you have to just exist with this person. Talk is cheap. We have to see who this person shows himself to be with us. And yeah. so for whatever reason, that was always my approach, except for one time. In my 20s, I let myself get love bombed. And I was I I'd had this dry spell. I hadn't dated anyone since college. And I was just like, threw caution to the wind. I I, I was I got caught up. And then the whole relationship did what a lot of times happens in love bombing. It peaked and then it fizzled out just as fast. And so I always held on to that as like, you know what? That one time that I didn't trust my gut and listen to my head about pacing yourself in a relationship. So I would say, Emily, like. I always say, what is the rush? What is the rush? If, mm -hmm. if you are going to be together forever, enjoy the time of truly getting to know each other. And what happens is when we start to catch feelings, we don't see the person objectively. We're oftentimes projecting onto the person who we hope he will be. We've seen just enough to go, <laughs> oh, and I bet he's great here. And I bet he's great here in this realm. And in this realm, he may or may not be. Quit telling yourself who he is. Let him show you who he is. Yeah. And I'm finding that a lot of the women getting back to the attachment stuff, they're, they're saying they're anxiously attached. I'm like, you're not even attached yet. How can you be anxiously attached? You're not right. <laughs> There's no like, attachment. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking? Right. And so I'm really, in fact, I'm going to do a podcast episode about that. Actually, when we're done, I'm going to, that's my next podcast. I want to talk about this pacing. I think it's so critical and women are getting, they're getting over their skis and they're getting ahead of themselves and it causes more distress. Yeah. But I, I thought that, what do you, so, so Hannah, you took a little bit longer, but what do you think about the women in your community? Would they say four months, four and a half months was just like, oh my gosh, that's just way too long. So we're from the South and a lot of the people that I knew and went to college with have been dating the same person through high school into college and they graduate and they get married and like everyone that I went to college with is having children. Yeah, so, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I would say that a lot of times people meet their person, go out on a couple of dates and within a month or two, they're yeah. like officially dating, I guess more yeah. exclusive. Um, I mean, yeah, like, but for me, like I took the time before I even put an exclusive exclusivity on myself and yeah. my relationship, but even getting into that, we still took things like very slow. I'm just, I don't like to rush things. Yeah. Or I'm very like, much a planner. And so, yeah. <laughs> but also a people pleaser. So I don't, it's, it's, 
fun tiptoeing little <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah. But like with me, like when I dated the doctor, like we were three months in the relationship and I had people asking me like, so why is he not calling you his girlfriend yet? I'm like, because I don't know him. And right. so I felt pressure from so many people around me mm-hmm. to define this relationship that I felt like I put pressure on him. And then that was a moment that I think really catastrophically like affected our relationship. And I always wonder, I'm like, if I had not put pressure on him in that moment, would that have maybe changed the relationship? But then I was like, he was always a narcissist to begin with. So I'd really doubt yeah. it changed it. But I stopped putting pressure on my relationships to do that and just see where the course ran and, you know, just see what happened and seeing if their words and their actions were aligning in the end, because especially like when, um, like the pandemic hit and people were in quarantine, I was seeing somebody at the beginning of quarantine and towards the end of it, like towards the end of the year, we were no longer seeing each other. And (laughs) I mean, like, you really get to know somebody when like, yeah, <laughs> you no are, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, you were not mature enough to be in a relationship, my sir. And that ended. And now he's in a relationship that he asked her, he asked her to be his girlfriend after only knowing her for two weeks. And I was like, and to move in after two weeks. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's such a red flag. That would be so not sexy to me. Can I just say that? Like women are like, yes. oh, he came on so strong. He wants me. I'm like, he wants somebody. How do yes. he doesn't know you either, right? The same is true about like when we don't know them, they don't know us. Exactly. Guy, after a couple of dates, he, this true story. I was 37 years old and a couple of dates, probably our third date. He's like, you know what? I think this works. Let's just get you pregnant. I was like, ew. Sir, no. Ew. <laughs> that reminds and- me. Oh. oh my God. Of my ex that I dated for five years. So we yeah. first met when I was a senior in high school and we got set up by a friend, a mutual friend. We had met at like, we were in both in chorus at two different high schools. And we met together at this thing. It was weird. Um, <laughs> and- like a battle of the bands or yes. something. Yeah. Bands. It was like all county <laughs> chorus. We were all yeah, yeah, like singing yeah. together. Anyways, I was a girl. It was like glee, I'm a, I'm but a like real I love it. <laughs> oh, no. But, um, Me too. We went on three dates. On the third date, he, in the parking lot, I will never forget, parking lot of this Mexican restaurant, he was like, I love you. And after that, I was like, I can't Ew. date you anymore. I can't. <laughs> but then when I was lonely in college, I knew I could text him and he yeah. would come to me and then we started dating. Yeah. So yeah, that's such a turnoff. I should have known. <laughs> no, exactly. Your gut knew, your gut knew all along. Your secure attachment told yes. you everything you need to know, but then yes. you got lonely. Yeah. Well, I got, and- yeah, I got rejected by a guy I liked and then my best friend started dating him in college. So it was just right. great sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, <laughs> Well, you wanted validation. Yes. Yeah. I needed, right. I needed them to, I needed that boy to know that somebody wanted me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It didn't start in a great place. Didn't right. Place. Well, and you know what it, yeah. If it doesn't start <laughs> in a great place, it very rarely ends in a great place. Just but so. I, I, <laughs> I encourage women to, to look at it that way. Like it's, if he's coming on so strongly and this gets back to the love bombing and to people trying to rush things, then it's not about you. So this guy that I was dating and we did date for like eight, nine months, but I told him at one point, I'm like, I, why would you say that to me? All that makes me think is that you want to be a dad so badly. And after three dates, oh, she looks good enough. She's cute enough. We'll have cute babies. Like, it's not about me. It's about my gene pool. <laughs> like, it's, it's about my uterus like. at this point. <laughs> it does not feel, I don't feel cherished. I feel like you want an egg. I feel like a surrogate <laughs> at this point. Right. 
Exactly. So when women, if we frame it that way and stop being so, I mean, I want us all to remain hopeless romantics, but also be empowered romantics. Oh, maybe that's the quote right there. <laughs> that's an Instagram yeah. post right there. Yeah, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> because I want us to not lose that. I'm writing it down literally. <laughs> you guys are inspiring me, but I, I don't want us to lose that, that, that beauty of romance and, and really to believe and hope for true love. But I also want us to be smart about it because we can't have true love if we're not smart about it. We have to keep our head in the game. And that's what the pacing does. And here's the thing I want to encourage women. It gets back to the pacing, gets back to the love bombing and the empowered dating. I really want us to encourage you are, you are this gift to whoever is around you. And they don't just get you after two dates. And I mean, not just your body. Of course, they don't get that after two dates. They don't get your, they don't get all your time. They don't get all, they don't get the fullness of you. You don't like, you know, I hate when women do this. We've all been guilty of it. And we certainly have friends. We've all had that friend who does this. The minute they get a boyfriend, the girls are cut out. Like we don't see him for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then when they get dumped, then they're back. Like, hey, what are we doing, ladies? We just did an episode on this. Yep. Did you? (laughs) You're like, we are not a thing anymore because you have been out of the picture for a long time. But, But that whole thing of we don't turn over ourselves to any person. And that for me, I just, I wanted Dan to get to know me incrementally. I wanted every guy I dated to get to know me incrementally. He doesn't get my entire schedule. He doesn't get my time. He doesn't get my body until he earns my trust and my time until he earns all those things. And I wish women, and that's about being empowered and knowing your worth and your value and recognizing that a guy who also is securely attached and has that secure approach and confidence, he's going to respect that. Right. I mean, like any human nature is we value what we have to work for a bit. And I don't want to, again, I'm not saying play games or play hard to get. I'm like, be hard to get. You should be hard to get. That's not a game that you're playing. You should be hard. And my, my husband, when he was texting me, like in the early couple of weeks when we were first dating, he's like, he, he was teasing me one time. He's like, you're a pokey texter. He's like, you don't text back right away. I wasn't playing games. I just had a full life. I told, and I would, I'd be like, I'm like, I, you have to bend to my life somehow. Like I had this fulfilled life already. Like I'm so, I have all those things that I'm doing. You now have to somehow fit into all that. I'm not going to compromise everything else in my life to kind of accommodate you or whatever. And then when you're a part of it, you don't get my whole schedule. I still am going to continue. Right. Yeah. You can fit in along with everybody else and all my other (laughs) appointments. You can schedule some time and you need to pop up whenever you want to like, no, like it's not all about your clock. It's about mine as well. Yes. Valuing that too. And I think one thing that a lot of women do, I'm definitely guilty of it myself is, you know, being so emotionally vulnerable with people who are not deserving of it yet. That's right. That's right. Emotionally vulnerable early on in the relationship with someone who you don't even know is respecting you in that way yet. Like they don't know anything else about you and you're giving so much of yourself to them already. It's like, are they going to even cherish that and respect it as much as you respect it? Like it's the playing feels even at that point. So I think that I I just see a lot of women and there's a lot of my friends who do that. And I'm like, baby doll. (laughs) Emily, where do you think that's coming from? What is the, what is the, um, motivation to disclose so much? Cause that's another thing, like we're talking about, you don't disclose that much. You incrementally let someone, you test the waters with a little bit of self-disclosure to see how they handle it. To see if you can trust them with some of your innermost feelings. My husband didn't know stuff about me until literally like a week before we were 
exclusive. Like there were certain things that were very big issues in my life that he didn't know. He didn't, it wasn't his business yet. Right. So what do you think is the motivation that sometimes we're offloading too much? And my other piece that I want to say about this, because it's really important, narcissists, predators look for a woman with the wounded, the wounded bird, right? With the wounded wing, who's sharing too much information early on. They will manipulate you ladies. Please do not give them the opportunity to manipulate you. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, Uh, That hits home with one specific incident that I had where I was told by somebody that I had a fear of vulnerability. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think I do. I just don't open up to everybody. Uh, Was that a guy you were dating? We weren't dating. We were friends. Uh, (laughs) He wanted to date you? I wanted to date him. He did not want to date me. Um, And then when he said that, I was like, oh, ew. Um, I don't think I do. I just, you know, am a person who has privacy, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, that sounds manipulative to me. That's why I was like, was he trying to date you? And that was, he was probably trying to sleep with me. Um, at the, there we, it, go. We, we were 19. <laughs> okay. But yeah, anything before 20, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, I, I, the doctor I dated, like, I remember, I would never forget. I wrote, I wrote a whole film about our relationship because it was so toxic. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to reclaim my power by doing this. And I will never forget that on our third date, I'm like laying in his bed. He's like playing me a song on guitar and everything. He puts the guitar down. It's like three o'clock in the morning, puts the guitar down. It's like, did you know most medical students end up committing suicide? And I was like, of what? <laughs> and he's like, most. I, and he was just like, like, like a third, like one in like six or something like that. I don't remember the system. I'm looking up the stats on that. <laughs> I gotta write this down. But, yeah, that's what getting, yeah, because, uh, yeah. Mm. But he told me this and he's like, I've struggled with depression. I'm like, sir, it's like the third date. And he tells yep. me this and I'm, flag. Like, I'm like, it's 3 a.m. Well, I'm awake now. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. How's it going? All right, here we are. And I was like, so tell me about your, I guess your situation with depression right. and everything. And I'm like, um, so I'm not ready to open up to you about like all of my, you know, right. mental health issues, but like, I, like I do have anxiety. I'm seeing therapy. That's all you can know about it right now. Um, that's all you really need to know about it right now. Um, yeah. I, I feel as though women, and, and this is, is totally generalizing, but from what I've seen, I feel like almost people disclose all this information because they think it's going to make the other person fall in love with them because, because the emotional intimacy so vulnerable and just like trusting them with all of these things um and a lot of times guys will tell you just about anything to get you to keep seeing them so mm. even if they're telling you things about themselves that may or may not be true if they're starting to dive into those like deeper conversations I think more women are gonna try to level up to that just because then that way they can be at the same you know they're not a, mm-hmm. they're not afraid to or like they trust them and that's kind of what I I feel like that's yeah. what I have yeah. done in the past to get someone to love me and know that I'm going to open up yeah. to them, even if it is like a couple dates in. Um, yeah. Or it's like, you feel like this really like intense connection and it's like that, like really fire electricity, which is what that relationship was at the very beginning. I mean, like it was somebody like how our, how we met story was like, I could write it like for a movie, like it was so great. And then like our first date was electric and like, I literally left the first date and I was like, this might be the dude that I marry. That should have yeah. been a red flag for me. Cause I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, did not want to marry him by the end of that relationship. Uh, but 
it was just like this electricity, this fire. And it's like, I, I felt like I was like, well, maybe like I should be being more vulnerable with him. I mean, he's opening mm-hmm. up to me and like, yeah. you know, doing all this stuff, but really it was just a like manipulative way to like fake intimacy yes. um, in some oh, way that's or another. So well put. It, it, it is. It's a false intimacy. It feels intimate. And yeah, there's research in social psych that when one person discloses to a certain level, the other person feels compelled. We feel almost obligated yeah. mm-hmm. and it should, it feels awkward not to but it can yep. be manipulated. So yeah, we need to be careful. And then he ended up using what I had eventually told him about my past. He then ended up using it against me later on. Mm. So I was like, I this should guy. not have ever told you this to begin with. Right. He's a gem, honestly. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, and we need to be careful about that. And I, so I guess it, and I don't know, there's a lot of rhetoric right now about vulnerability. And I think, yeah, all of that's wonderful but we don't just throw that out to anybody. We, it, I just love the, the, the thought of someone earns that. I mean, just think about it with like you guys yeah. as best friends. It's like the first day you meet a, even a female friend, you don't, oh my gosh, we're going to be best friends. And like right away, start yeah. sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. That would feel weird. Like TMI, right? Yeah. We need to yeah. take the same kind of energy and bring that to our dating approach. I've been, I mean, I've been dating my boyfriend over two years and like we've just started, you know, there's some things that we still haven't talked about or like just dabbled in like a month or two ago, or like, it'll just come up naturally. Like it's better when it just comes up naturally in conversation and it's not forced Yeah, because when it's forced, then I feel like you're like trying, like you said, like trying to level up to them and like disclose all this information to make them fall more in love with you. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you guys, like your timelines have been really well. And I think that it's just because you guys have just cherished yeah. more of those moments and well, like, I'm not in any, any rush like I know I love him I know I want to spend my life with him like so like what's the rush and you have the rest all of your of life the conversations now because then you know how do you're gonna know everything and you're gonna get bored <laughs> well I don't think so <laughs> you're not gonna get bored but like it's like there's just no rush for me so yeah and it's 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 fun like when you had the time to like just uncover like these little new things about you. I mean my parents still to this day are like learning things about each other mm-hmm. like my dad the other day just found out that my mom like likes he had no idea that like at midnight every night she like mops the floor because she's a night owl and like with COVID and everything she's a germaphobe so like she like mops the floor every night and like he had no idea for like the past like six months she had been he's doing sleeping. that <laughs> he sleeps at midnight <laughs> like with this pandemic he learned so much about her like how much of like how her fear of germs well, like how we high sort it of is. knew about the fear we but. knew but we didn't i don't <laughs> think the full i knew about it i don't think he knew to the full extent about it because i had gone on vacations with her and seen her but like, <laughs> it's just interesting i think that when you have been together for so long you're still like uncovering these little secrets about um and these little traits about mm-hmm. the other person and i think it's adorable uh and to an extent and i think when you give like all your cards up at the beginning like that like it kind of takes away the magic and it's just a lot more fun like when you have like this like long journey together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I, it makes me sad to see women crash and burn. And I'm not saying like with your doctor, that guy was not, that wasn't going to happen, but I don't know. It is possible that sometimes women are rushing things and it may take away from the relationship journey. I don't know that it would derail. I mean, I want to believe that like, if you were meant to be with that person, it would work out anyway, but it just does. It puts ourselves in a vulnerable position for many reasons that we've spoken to here that we don't need to do. We need to remain empowered. And and we, I, I, I just know that I always wanted, 
and I still want in my marriage. And there's research that shows it's by um, a psychologist named Dr. Donald Bauckham. He talks about how people who date with high standards, they carry those same high standards into their marriage. So people who have high standards when dating, they have higher quality marriages. My husband and I still have that. Like I never, I, I don't get like, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around these women who want to be so vulnerable and like, I'm such this weak, delicate flower. I'm like, don't you want a guy to respect you for your strength? I mean, yeah. and it's not that we can't be honest about our emotional sadness that we have at times or our emotional weakness, or our mental health or whatever's going on. But we also want to be like you were saying, Emily, like, okay, I've got anxiety stuff I work on. I'm going to therapy. That's a sign of strength, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, this is me, but I'm on, I, I got, I, I'm, I'm on it. Right. So don't worry. Yeah. I'm not presenting yeah. this to you. Like you got to fix me. It's like, here's my stuff and I'm working on it. It's not your problem. It's my exactly. stuff and I'm working on it. Right. And to me, that's how I always want to present myself. And so again, I love when I see the research that confirms that I think my husband and I have a very high quality marriage because we had super high standards and we date each other to this day. And there's no like getting lazy or taking each other for granted because obviously I was single for so long. It's impossible for me to take him for granted. I'm like, I'm still thrilled when I pull into the garage and I'm like, <laughs> A, I have a garage because I was always living in apartments in the city, right? No garage, schlepping groceries by myself up three flat flights of stairs. <laughs> and like, he comes out with his big old muscles to help me carry in groceries. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Like still, still, so taking, I never take that for granted. I, how could I? Right. And that's just a silly example, but to really level up even in our dating, so as to level up in our marriages, we're not lazy. We don't take each other for granted. He was married before, and that was a marriage that didn't work. So he knows what it's like to be in a marriage that's not satisfying and thriving and how disappointing that is. Right. So we give our all to our marriage. And I, it really, it, we set that tone, honestly, from the first date. I, I, yes. lo I love that. I love that. And I, 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 I love everything I think that we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Same. This is so fun. I think this just, just like resonates, especially I think with women nowadays, like in the dating world, and especially with, you know, a lot of like places opening up and everything, people getting back and excited about dating again. And it's just, I think people need yeah. to hear that. Like, just because like you were alone for like right. most of 2020, that doesn't mean that like, you should sacrifice like your standards, like, yes. or, um, whatever you want in a relationship because, uh, you just, you know, want to get into bed with somebody else, or you just want to go on a date with somebody else. You shouldn't sacrifice that. Like if anything, your standards should be higher because you've had, you've been able to take the time to really get to know yourself mm -hmm. and see what mm -hmm. you want in a person. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you've been doing everything that we've been telling you to do. <laughs> <laughs> you really know what self-love is. And that, yeah. okay, it's like, okay, like I got my shit together. I got myself on lock. Can you just fit in and meet me, like meet me yeah. there? And just instead of like, you know, you know, I want to like spend like the rest of my life with you. I want to see if I can just get through like a weekend with you and see like <laughs> if we right. vibe. Instead of like, you know, I guess just getting so swept off your feet early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to like end on a one little note that we kind of do with all of our guests is that we ask them for like a survival tip. So basically like an overall, like solid piece of advice that kind of wraps up everything we talked about. And I would love to know what yours would be. So I have a thing about how we should be approaching life in general, which is we should be thinking critically and then we should be 
trying to be emotionally as healthy as possible, right? So it's both and, right? We're going to be the fullness of our emotional state, but we're going to be the healthiest version of that. And that takes our work and that takes our therapy and that takes listening to podcasts like this. It takes following accounts that it will be empowering. And then we want to be thinking critically as well. We got to keep our head in the game, right? And so back to the dating game, we think critically about, is this person a fit? Do we share those common core values? Do we make sense? Is this so hard? If it's so hard, it's probably hard for a reason. It's not a fit. So really that both and those two really main elements of our existence, which is our, our mindset and then our emotional state, we need to be thinking critically and trying to be as healthy emotionally as possible. I, I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. Yes, we have thoroughly loved having you on. You've been a delight. Same. Go ahead and like, promo yourself, like tell everybody where they can find you. And we're going to leave all the links in our show notes as well for everybody. Great. Well, I want to thank you for the invitation. This has been so much fun. I think we got, we were just vibing on all these, just yeah. everything, all the, th- all the things. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for the invitation. Everyone can find me. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen and that's dr.k-a-r-i-n, which is really important because everyone hates those Karens with an E right now. <laughs> I need to distinguish myself. <laughs> I'm with an I. I, I didn't do it. that. I'm, that's I'm my parents. That's not me. <laughs> we're different. Right. We're totally different. Very different. Very different. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, my podcast is love and life with Dr. Karen. And like I said, I'm busy on Instagram. Also, my website is loveandlifemedia.com. And yeah, if you sign up for my email list right now, I'm giving away that empowered dating playbook, which just gives you these basically a, a little guide to all the things we talked about today. So if anyone wants to take advantage of that, check it out. And we, like awesome. I said, we will leave all the links and the show notes for everybody to check out. But thank you so much. This has been so yeah. much fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, ladies. Thanks. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gals Scout in our secret Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and on our personal social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Also, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us out a lot. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.